Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a Breaking Bad episode, our penultimate Breaking Bad episode, and a different one this week. We're not doing a TV recap, we're doing a movie recap. We're here to recap the movie El Camino, a Breaking Bad story. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing this one. We've technically done an episode on this in the past. I did a solo review of this back in 2019 when it came out. And we're here to fully recap this one to, I guess, complement our coverage of all the episodes of Breaking Bad that we have done and go over an interesting movie. Um, I, I'm very much looking forward to talking to Nicholas about this and seeing how it goes. My name is Ben and you're looking kind of lonely, girl. Would you like someone new to talk to? Ah, yeah. All right. I'm feeling kind of lonely too. If you don't mind, can I sit down here beside you? Aha. All right. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> and uh, my name's Nick, and um, I'm Apex and at the Apex, bitch. <laughs> oh, a bunch of all my quotes I wrote down was from that opening bit. But I, I can't not sing that because that song always gets stuck in my head every time I watch this, and I love it's, it. It's like sp- <laughs> spinning the podcast together. You're spending the podcast <laughs> together. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, you're here to talk about El Camino, a Breaking Bad story. We're here, Nick. Uh, we've done all the episodes, penultimate time covering Breaking Bad. And, yeah, I've I seen this three times now. I watched it when it first came out, did the review, re-listened to our review, and uh, I praised it. Rewatched it uh, when I did my speed rewatch a couple of months ago. I think the second time I watched it, I was kind of like, yeah, okay. Maybe wasn't as good as I remember it, but it's still good. And then the third time around, gotta say it, I loved it again. So um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely something that is very complemented well by watching uh, Breaking Bad pretty much right with this. So, but I mean, Aaron Paul is amazing as always. Don't need to say that, but it's also like it's just it's a nice, almost extended episode of Breaking Bad. It wraps up Jesse nicely, adds to what we got in the finale. We get some great callbacks with some returning characters, with some smart flashbacks, and we get fat Jesse Plemons. So uh, what's not to love about El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie? Yeah, I think it's um, – well, I think uh, um, to to kind of start with, this is actually my first ever movie review, I think, on, on the Oz Network. Like it is. I've it absolutely like, yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so, so that's cool. But, yeah, no, I, I think it's good. I think it is um, – 
you know, like I think you know, one of the trivia things here is that Vince Gilligan called you know called this that you know sixty three basically was kind of like the code name for this because it was like the sixty third episode, and I think he initially thought about doing a kind of short episode to put on the DVD or something to kind of because I think I think he kind of felt like he wanted to finish the Jesse story and and maybe trying to do that in another episode after what we saw in Felina was obviously not going to be the right thing to do. So I think this is an itch that had that they'd wanted to scratch for a while, um, and yeah, I think. I think for me, um, I mean, we're going to talk about it. I think it's, I, I really appreciate it and I think it's satisfying to see the end of Jesse's story. Um, I think this is probably a little bit indulgent at times. You know, I think, it, you know, two hours worth of, of finishing that story is maybe a little bit more than it really requires, but I still think it's um, it's worth watching. And yeah, I think um, absolutely benefits from watching it after you've finished watching Breaking Bad. I think I've, this is only the second time I've seen it. Um, I watched it when it first came out cold, you know, hadn't seen Breaking Bad for a couple of years or whatever at that point. And, um, you know, I, I just didn't really pick up on a lot of these kind of subtleties of these kind of, you know, the flashbacks and when they are and, and how they fit into the Breaking Bad story and kind of knowing that and knowing that it's like, oh, that's when this episode was happening or that was that, you know, I, th I think it's a lot better um, when you do that. Um, and yeah, the, the, the fat Jesse, the, sorry, the fat Todd thing is, is, um, is a little bit funny um, and, and we're obviously going to talk about that. But, but yeah, I think it's um, nice to have probably a little bit longer than it needs to be but i'm, I'm definitely uh happy to to see it there i want to i want to correct myself on one thing i think i said uh last week or the week before that uh ed the 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 disappearer was the only person to appear in all three el camino uh breaking bad and better call Saul. but of course uh mike does too i yeah. should just uh quickly correct that but the thing i liked about this um is that it was a secret, basically. Like, there'd been whispers around this and it sort of had been rumoured here and there. But this was what essentially announced a month before it came out. Like, I remember yeah, when all of a sudden dropped, it, yeah. it did. Um, and it just, it was completely random and then everybody got really excited. And that's one thing, you know, I have my issues around how we release things nowadays. Like, I'm a bit more of a fan of the whole week-to-week -week thing because I think it makes it more uh, fun to watch a TV show rather than watching it all in a day when it drops like that. But um, one thing that I kind of like is when you get like a something announced on Netflix or streaming that it does come out so quickly. Like, you know, right now if they announce a, a new James Bond film, it's going to be years away, right, because of production that. Whereas, whereas Netflix generally is like, hey, we did an El Camino movie, a Breaking Bad movie. It's going to be out in a month. Sweet. Here's a trailer. Like it's kind of like, I love how that. You're like, wow, don't have much time to wait at all. So... Uh, which is pretty cool reading the stories about how they kept this secret and uh, particularly around Brian Cranston's appearance in this show, uh, kind of the way they flew him out and snuck him into Albuquerque and put him into disguise and the diner scene was basically done just with all crew members and family members so that, that is, no one would leak it. Um, but, yeah, I think even when we talked to Charlie Baker, he even kind of talked a little bit about, yeah, like it was just kind of fun to sort of be involved in this project and still, I guess, being part of that world. Because, I mean, it would take quite an effort to to film this, uh, given that how popular it is, obviously how much it changed Albuquerque. So, like, all of a sudden when you start seeing the same crew members, oh, there's Vince Gilligan, oh, there's Aaron Paul, what's going on here? Like, it's a pretty big thing to be able to keep this secret. I think as well, though, like a reasonably small cast, and I think one of the things I'd say about this, and it's not, uh, it, it sounds like a dig, but it's actually not, is that it's, it feels quite low budget. It feels like there's not a lot to it because obviously, apart from Aaron Paul and then a few kind of cameos, 
um, it's really just people that were either unknowns from were like very superfluous to the Breaking Bad story or weren't a part of it at all. Um, and, you know, so actually you don't need to have, you know, Skylar and Marie and Walt Jr. Like if all of them suddenly turn up in Albuquerque, yeah, people are going to ask questions. But I think you can kind of, you can fly, you know, um, Brian Cranston in and out. You can, you can, you can fly Jonathan Banks in and out um, to have these little cameos and then, you know, people aren't going to notice. So I think it works in that way because it is, it is a bit of a standalone story and that's why it doesn't really feel like an episode as much of the show as a, yeah, like a kind of little wrap-up movie. Which is kind of interesting because I talked about in the review whether or not this is something that if you've never seen Breaking Bad, you could just watch. And, I mean, you could, but I don't know if you would get it the same. Well, you obviously wouldn't get it the same way. But, I mean, do you feel you could just, like, if you're on Netflix, you're scrolling through the new titles back in 2019 and you see this, like, oh, I've heard that Breaking Bad show's okay. Maybe I'll watch the Breaking Bad movie. I, I feel you just wouldn't get something out of it, if you know what I mean. Um- I mean, to compare it, like, even a name, it's like a Breaking Bad story. It reminds me of, like, Rogue One, a Star Wars Mm. story of, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you could technically just watch this without having seen it, but what's the point? Like, why would you do that? Because there's so much crossover. Like, you will obviously get more enjoyment out of this by knowing more about Breaking Bad, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm sure people did. Um, And there's probably people that this was a gateway into Breaking Bad. Who knows? But it feels like that would be, a, a you know, an unlikely thing to happen, probably a very small proportion, I would say. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting, like, in listening to the review, I was a bit, I don't say critical of flat, fat Jesse Plemons, but, like, look, I'm not here to fat shame the guy. Like, obviously, you know, this is, what, six years after they've wrapped up Breaking Bad. People get older, people change their appearance. Like, you know, it's not always expected this is going to happen. And I think it all came down to he was filming something at the time where he was required to put on weight, and it just kind of, it just, they had to get him on there. I mean, it, it does, like... I, I saw why it was a talking point because when I first watched this, I'm just like, whoa, okay, that's weird. Like, even I hadn't watched Breaking Bad recently at that point, but even I'm like, he wasn't fat in the show, was he? Um, and it's just like, it, it definitely is a jarring thing, but it became a big thing. Like, no pun intended. But like, that was kind of the talking point around this show was just like, I think he was trending. I think like Fat Jesse was, or Fat Todd was trending on Twitter for like days. And because it is like, and I. I think for the most part, all the characters in this, like, I think Aaron Paul looks a little bit older, but again, you can't avoid that. Uh, I think you said about how Charlie Baker and Matt Jones look a bit older, like, yeah, a little bit. It didn't, wasn't as jarring for me as I thought it might be. But um, I think for the most part, even, when you've got these returning characters, they, they look pretty much the same. Yeah, I think even Kristen Ritter looks a little bit older, you know. Like, um, So, yeah, I think it's always going to be the case. If you're going to set something, and I think probably the, the, the fat shaming thing is a little bit, overblown i think because yeah you're right like he obviously you know six years has passed or whatever he's been working on other films that required him to be holding a bit more weight um and so i don't think in any way he should be kind of shamed for that i think it's probably just a bit jarring because this is meant to be set in the exact same time frame like these are you know the scenes that we've got yeah yeah and i mean yeah exactly and i mean you know a lot of the scenes that we've got of of todd in that kind of time frame between the last two episodes of breaking bad of of granite state and felina so you don't expect them to look significantly different um and so there is a big there is a requirement of audiences to do a bit of suspension of disbelief which i can do i've got no problems with it but i can see why people talked about it as being this looks a bit odd and it's you know it's a bit out of place and for continuity's sake this doesn't quite feel right but you know if any Everybody's going, oh, you know, like Jesse Plemons is now a fat bastard. Then that's wrong. You know, that 
because that's that's not a point that needs to be made at all. But I think you can yeah. say, hey, it looks a bit out of place. You know, that's that's okay. Which, unless somebody has done a, like a, what they did with Lost and done a chronologically Breaking Bad, um, you know, then it's it's not really going to matter. Um, one thing, like I I went obviously, you know, this got dropped, and then a month later it was out. I don't know if anybody was leaked it coming back in terms of returning. Obviously, the trailer had Skinny Pete quite in there prominently. So we, we knew that he was there. I, I, I want to say that Jesse Plemons was leaked or at least was announced as being in this. Um, I want to say he was the only one that was kind of announced. But, I mean, of course, everyone went into this going like, oh, will Brian Cranston be coming back? Like, and, yeah. you know, and we'll talk about the flashbacks, of course, throughout this. But I've got to say, just right now, I think it's tasteful how they bring these people back. Like, I think yeah, it's... Yeah, I think it works. It works. Uh, I, yeah, it's, it's not just cheap cameos for the sake of doing it. It's not like, oh, we've got to get Walter in here somewhere. Let's have a dream sequence or something like that. Like, I mean, you establish this, and we'll get into it in a minute, but, like, you establish it from the very beginning that you're going to have flashbacks because who's in the opening scene? Oh, hi, Mike. Um, so it's, it's, it's clever how they do that. W- were you, I guess... Satisfied with that? And on that same topic, are there anybody that you think we missed out on getting a, a cameo with, like maybe a soul appearance? Like were we robbed of seeing a, a soul flashback or something like that? Yeah, well, uh, probably not because, I mean, at the time that this is on, Better Call Saul's a thing, you know, like it's obviously been around, um, you know, we're into a couple of seasons of Better Call Saul by this stage. Um, so I, I don't think you needed to see Saul because we had him elsewhere. And, and um, you know, I, I, I think it, it feels very natural to me. And I think, you know, if when we get to Better Call Saul, I think I'll have some some things to say about how they try and fill in so many of the gaps. And it started off as being this nice little prequel, and then suddenly it's like we're trying to bridge the time between Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. And, and I don't think that that's particularly needed. And so this feels like a little standalone thing. It's nice to have these guys kind of pop in and out, but I think it's done really well. I think we've got just enough of them. It kind of sprinkled in to make it fun. Um, but you want the story to focus on Jesse. Completely agree. I think, and everyone certainly has a has a purpose. Like nothing is being done for just like, hey, we're going to yeah. do this. Like, I mean, I, I'm I'm exactly with you. I don't think Soul would have really worked. I mean, I, I would have loved to seen Gus. Of course, I would have. But I mean, how do you work Gus into it? And plus, Gus at that point is in Better Call Soul as well. So it's kind yeah. of, you know, I mean, I know you would argue well, so is Mike, but like, I think Mike's a little bit different here because like, uh, it's it's literally how does he get this idea of going to Alaska? Yeah. Um So I, and I it think kind I, of works. Yeah. I think maybe the only one that's missing in terms of, of, of an actual person that you see is Brock, you know, and, and we obviously get the letter at the end of this, which is, you know, addressed to Brock. And I think having Brock But you Brock can't have this, him, though, because he would have exactly, aged. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's one where you, the age difference would have been too big. So, um, and, you know, I think that they just decide, you know, like I, um, I talked a little bit about that talking bad um you know, that they had after the Breaking Bad episodes towards the end there. And um, the last episode, they were, they were talking about, you know, where's Jesse going? And Jonathan Banks is sitting there. He's like, I know where Jesse's going. He's going to see Brock. And so that was kind of, I think maybe coming into this, you maybe expected that it was going to focus on him kind of supporting Brock. Um, and that's not the direction they choose to go in, but they do make a nod to it. And, and I think that's enough. And I think that's probably my bigger point is that they're going to tell a standalone story here, but the links back are done in a way that kind of they feel like they're natural and they work. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's get into it. Um, it's, it's interesting to be to recap this because obviously there's a little bit more to talk about. It's a two-hour film as opposed to a 42-minute episode, but I also think that given that, I mean, if you were to just analyse this film with dialogue, there's a lot of large portions of the film which there's no dialogue. So it's kind of, you know, it's sort of, yeah, I'll lump a few things together as we always do sort of in movies. So we do open straight away, though, with a flashback. It's Jesse with Mike down at the river. Now, is this the same place he gets killed, Mike? Is it? Is it meant to be? Oh, 
I, I don't think it's exactly, but it's probably not far away. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of just like this little moment where sort of uh, basically this is the moment where Jesse's basically saying, like, I'm out. Uh, and you can kind of see that Mike is kind of a bit happy about this, that, uh, you know, he's kind of going to go there. And I do like this moment sort of where Jesse's just like, hey, so like if, if you had a chance, uh, you know, where would you go if you had any opportunity? And straight away, Mike is just like Alaska um, saying that, you know, you can do anything you want there. Um, but what does Jesse say? Like, oh, I want to set things right. But then Mike is just kind of like, well, that's one thing you can't do. But um, a nice little scene. Again, it kind of, it adds, I think, to kind of just almost this father relation, father-son relationship and just sort of back at the beginning of season five when we had this whole, you know, Jesse and his two dads kind of storyline. Jonathan Banks looks still looks great. I mean, obviously, we're seeing him in Breaking uh, Better Call Soul, so we know he still looks the same. Um, but... I think which I mean I know we did talk about in the episodes when these scenes appeared uh when they appear uh do we know this is meant to be in which episode This is buyout. This is buyout buy because it's okay. yeah. It's in the Jesse's, uh, after Walt and Jesse's cook, but before Mike and Jesse announced to Walt that they are retiring. Okay, yep, got it. Yeah. Okay, so I can see that there. So, uh, I mean, I might just kind of, um, I just pin this here because I think a lot of stuff I can let, but just, I mean, I, I remember watching this for the first time and, oh, Mike, there he is. Like, yeah, like, I'm glad they bring Mike back. Like, you know, Mike's death was a long time ago in the grand scheme of Breaking Bad, given that the second half of season five was so intense that like, you almost forget that Mike gets killed off in the opening half, don't you? So, again, if you're watching Better Call Soul, it's maybe not as a big a deal as it is because you're seeing him in that show. But, yeah, I, I love seeing Mike back. I think it's great that they bring him back. And it's a great. I think it's a really great way to kind of open just to, as Breaking Bad does, let's dangle a carrot that really doesn't seem like it means anything. But, ultimately, this is going to be why, at the end of this movie, he's in Alaska. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think it's that kind of bookend of kind of like just just setting us up that you know this is when we get to the end, this is where he's got the idea from. So yeah, I think it's great to see Mike here, and um, you know I think yeah you know, Mike was always a, a positive figure, I guess for for Jesse, and so it's nice to to kind of see that you know and at the other end we're going to get him getting some advice from Walt, who was his kind of other father figure. So it feels appropriate that you kind of see both of them um, at points in this movie. So yeah, I love it. And then we, we get straight into it, picking up from, you know, the famous end in Felina when Jesse's leaving, screaming, crying, all that kind of stuff. He's here in the car, uh, basically trying to escape. We see him pull into a house as a cops drive past. And he goes straight to our beloved Skinny Pete and Badger. Here they are back. And we, we knew, I don't, did we know Badger was back? I knew we obviously knew Skinny Pete was back because that, that teaser trailer, which has nothing, it's not even in the movie. I don't know if it's a deleted scene or they just deliberately did it for the trailer with him like being interrogated by the cops going like, oh, you know, I, you know, I would never give up Jesse and kind of cool little trailer. Um, and they're playing some game. Do you uh do you have what this game is on no, the trivia? No, I don't at all? actually. It's not it's not Sonic Racing, so I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> Nick doesn't give a shit. Uh, and it, it reminds me of um, have you seen the forty year old virgin when Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen yeah, are like yeah. sitting on the chair? You know how I know you're gay. Yeah, uh, like yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of that when they're just kind of like you know, oh, you couldn't even drive uh, Miss Daisy. Daisy, I don't even know what that means. And it's like you drive like a blind man with no legs. <laughs> You couldn't drive a two-button elevator. <laughs> like, I think I nice see, like on the on the on the um, thing behind them too. Is that the Starship Enterprise, like a model of the Starship Enterprise behind them, I or think, is it the Millennium Falcon, like one of the two? I uh, haven't really paid it. I, I know they've got like a. Uh, it looks like the Starship Enterprise. Just seeing here, because if you look there, they've got a whole bunch of what looks like DVDs. So I'm guessing that's yeah, all Star yeah. Trek DVDs or something like that, yeah. based on their love of stuff. But I love their chairs. Like they've got these like gaming chairs with like yeah. uh, big gulp. 
uh, holders and everything in it. Like, just uh, it's so cool. And then Jesse obviously shows up, and I, I kind of love Skinny Pete. He's like, yo, man, you lost, and doesn't even recognize Jesse at first, and then uh, gets him in, hides the car. Jesse goes to sleep. We're seeing a lot of... I, I, one thing I really like is all the news stories that we see. So we're kind of seeing like the press conferences because, again, this is what the day after what we see at the end of Felina. So this is like picking up right off from where we left off. So, yeah, you'd have all these news stories and, you, you know, I kind of like these press conferences and everything that's going on. Um, Jesse asleep having flashbacks to the cage above him and panicking when Skinny Pete and Badger come into the room with a gun and... Uh, I love Skinny Pete giving him clothes and what is um I love Badger's line of like oh uh, Skinny Pete like you definitely fit into my clothes you wouldn't fit into his like he's big he's like I can't help it if I'm sized for love. Yeah. <laughs> I, lo- I love how they're giving each other Christmas presents. You know yeah, Badger's I- giving him a Christmas present. That's, well, that's now, nice. Now am I reading into that these two might have more than just a friendship? Like am I shipping <laughs> Skinny Pete and Badger? Like they're living together, they're sharing their cologne, they're giving each other Christmas presents, like. Am I the only one it's, here? It's, def- it's definitely a reading of it that you could have. There's, there's no two ways about it. I, I don't. And think I'm fine me- with that. I'm, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with them being a couple. I think that would be kind of nice. But um, I mean, I, I know. think probably apart from seeing these guys at like the titty bar, like back in the yeah. day, um, I don't think we've any, we've ever really seen them kind of sexualized in any way, which is interesting. Yeah, well, maybe we need to get Charlie Baker on the show to just be like, you know, like, have you ever gone into this thinking that these two are, a, are a couple at all? Um, yeah. So, I mean, they, they made Q gay in Bond and everybody kind of assumed he was when uh, Ben Wishaw came into the role. So, hey, let's let's ship these off in El Camino 2, uh, the, the the badger, broke back badger. Um, <laughs> um, that's actually kind of catchy. Uh, <laughs> broke back badger, a Breaking skinny, Bad movie. Skinny to skinny Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I kind of like this moment when they're like, oh, you look like you could use a shower. And they're like selling like, oh, I've got some Axe body spray and I've got this and I'll give you some new soap because it's got some hair on it. Um, <laughs> I kind of love that. But sort of you do get these flashbacks like um, obviously at one point when he was with the Nazis, they kind of like water cannoned him and kind of it's it it's harrowing because I think that, you know, I, I sort of said that in the last few episodes, you Jesse, I don't want to say Jesse gets shortchanged. He doesn't. Like, I still think Jesse's ending is still good. I'm just glad we've got this to companion it. But, like, I don't think you ever get the full extent of the torture that Jesse gets. And they kind of really make a, an emphasis on just how poorly he was treated. So, I mean, literally getting, like, water cannoned and all that kind of stuff that he's going to get throughout these flashbacks. But he comes out, he's shaved, even though Skinny Pete told him he probably shouldn't shave. Um, but uh, Aaron Paul back to uh, good old. Well, we've got to have bald people in this show, of course. So there he is. Um, rips a page out of the phone book. I'm so glad that phone books were still a thing back then. We I recently got a phone book delivered, and this is goes to show. I mean, I'm sure when you were younger, you remember growing up getting the phone book, and it was thick and all that kind of stuff. Nowadays, it's basically like two pages long. Like no one gives a shit about the phone book anymore. It's like why do they bother even sending it? Um, it's 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 interesting. Um, so Jesse then. Uh, needs to get the car, needs to get the El Camino off the street. So uh, who's he going to call? It's Mr. Heckles from Friends. He's back. <laughs> Here he is. Um, are we glad that old Joe, uh, Larry Hankins, oh, back yeah, in this? I, yeah, I'm pleased to see him. That's good. Out of all the returning characters, were we expecting that? Um, so he comes back, kind of looks over the car. It's like, yeah, I can help this out. It's on the house. But then he finds a tracking device and he's all kind of like, nah, the popo are here. Uh, I've got to go. So he buggers off. And then we kind of get a nice little scene 
where Skinny Pete comes up with this idea where he's all like, okay, I've got an idea. Um, you, you know, basically, Badger, you're going to get in my car, drive down to Mexico, dump it near the border and then hitchhike back. And I'll, think, I'll say that Jesse showed up, smoked a joint, dump the car here, swap cars with me, and then you take my car, uh, Jesse. So, and then I love the little moment where he gives him his, uh, his beanie. Uh, they give him a shit ton of money. Uh, I love Badger and Skinny Pete having a bit of an argument over whose car is shit and whose is not. Um, and then Jesse has this kind of little hideout little bit where he kind of pulls over to the side of the road when all the cops are going there. Um, a couple of things I just want to add. The, the one, like, plot hole, two plot holes here. This is obviously meant to take place, like, the morning after the night before on Felina. So the one thing that I don't get is Mr. Heckles here going like, oh, we had some good memories, you and I, back in the day. Magnets! Like, wasn't that technically only, like, a year ago? Because, like, <laughs> essentially... <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the way, like, I get it. This is six years later, so, like, oh, we're going to have a throwback to Breaking Bad. Ha, ha, ha. But, like, on the timeline of Breaking Bad, that is, like, 12 months ago. So, like, well, that's Mr. where I'm, Mr. like. Mr. Hickles is a busy, well, old Joe, sorry, is a busy man. And, you know, yeah, like, he, well. he, he has many, many um, dealings with, um, you know, like, criminals. So, this is just one of the many he's had in the last year. And the, the one, I don't know if this is a plot hole or Ben just doesn't understand. How is his tracker on the car? Like, where do they put this tracker on the car? Because he just takes that from the compound and he just goes away. So at no point, like, we all saw him pull over to the side of the road for a second when the cops drove past and he went straight to Skinny Pete and Badgers. So how does this tracker get on the car? It's weird. I think the only thing I can think of is that, you know, because the police know about gang activities, so they just, they put trackers on them, you know, like, just to kind of keep an eye on them. And they're not, you know, they they know that it's going to be at the gang compound. So they're not, you know, they're not worried that that car you know, disappears. Like it's feasible to me, like even in New Zealand that we've got gangs and, you know, like the cops are are tracking them and have trackers in their cars. They don't actually intend to follow them every time, but just like if that car ends up somewhere where, you know, like at a crime scene or something, they kind of know where it's been. So it's not unfeasible to me, but yeah, I do agree. It's a little bit of a, a, a plot hole. And the other thing which I wanted to address, I don't think this is a plot hole because A, this movie's not going to happen if you don't, if he does this, but B, like, I think it, you can explain it is you could argue, why doesn't Jesse just go straight back to the DEA? He was in DEA custody when he got kidnapped, right? But then the argument, of course, is is that Hank and Gomi were the only two that knew about this, so therefore he might not have the same deal. My argument would be then, well, hey, go back to the gang hideout. They've got the tape where I confess everything, uh, and this is what I made with um, with with Hank and, and Gomi. So, like... You could argue, again, this movie doesn't happen if Jesse's just kind of like, oh, well, I'm just going to go straight back to the DA because I made a pretty sweet deal. Um, but, like, it's it's interesting that I think I think they mention that. I think the disappearer mentions that at some point, that this is what you should do. Or somebody says it at one point in this movie. But I don't know if that's something that people sort of question about. Why doesn't Jesse just go back? Because he was kind of sorted, basically, when he went to Hank, wasn't he? Yeah, I think, uh, for me, I think, uh, you know, because obviously the, the gang got that dvd i mean I, I we're going to assume that the da gets that dvd back right so da is in custody of that confession um dvd um from jesse and i guess like i always thought that jesse was not going to get off scot-free you know like he was yeah. still going to end up in prison we so, murdered um, <laughs> yeah 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 so you know like he's got he's going to cut a plea deal by handing in walt so i think like i, I never saw that actually you know jesse was going to get away with nothing by helping them get walt but so i think he maybe just sees it as his only way to get out completely um is, is to yeah go on the run and i think also the argument would be is that and we talked about it obviously in the finale which a lot of people maybe wanted to see Walt get punished more and get arrested where 
I don't think anybody wants to see Jesse get punished. Like, not to say Jesse hasn't done bad things, but you could definitely argue that Jesse is almost a, I don't say innocent victim. I mean, he did still kill someone and he's done some bad shit and he's made some bad decisions. But like, Jesse's more of a puppet. He's played through and manipulated where, yeah. you know, Walt is the guy who basically just turns into an evil prick. So I don't yeah. think there's anyone out there who's like, oh, I want to see Jesse face his, um, you know, what he gets. Like, Jesse's always that sympathetic character that you feel for, that you you connect with. And I've always felt that way with Jesse. So I'm not saying that's what I wanted, but, like, I just I don't know why that's maybe, like, you maybe need a passing line or even just have the, Oh, I can't go to the cops because the Nazis destroyed the DVD because it it gave had them giving up um, Todd, which they probably yeah. would have done. You know, they're not going to keep that. Um, so yeah, 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 yeah. No, I agree with that. There's definitely some plot holes here, and I think you know it probably speaks to the fact that Breaking Bad wasn't finished with a real intention to tell a follow-on story. I think you know yeah. if there had been something they'd really wanted to do, it probably would have happened sooner than six years down the track. So there was always probably going to be moments like this where you're like, actually, this doesn't really make sense because they never really intended to have a follow-up. So um, I, I'm kind of okay with it, but I, I definitely see them. Um, I just kind of want, before we kind of move on from um, Skinny skinny Pete and Badger, you know, like obviously I said they looked a bit different, but, you know, like I just, we, we talked quite a, quite a bit about Combo when he died about him being like the third that we don't really care about. Um, and, you know, like if we're going to do power rankings of Jesse's, you know, Jesse's three friends, you now Combo's three, Badger's two, and Skinny Pete shows himself to be one here. You know, like he is Jesse's biggest fan. He, you know, he says that. He says that oh, you're my that hero. Line. You're, um, dude, you're and, my and, hero. Uh, yeah. Oh. And it's so it's it's really lovely and kind of seen him kind of take the beanie off, which I think is the first time we've seen um, Skinny Pete without a beanie on. You know, like it's just but just this moment, like Skinny Pete will do anything for for Jesse, which I absolutely love. I think it's really like quite a sweet moment, and you know that they also give him you know eight thousand two hundred, which is basically what they've got left of that ten k that they got from from Walt. I'm assuming. Mm. Yeah, and no, uh, with the and like it's. I think because I mean the majority of the people who return in this are through flashbacks, and like I think you need these two though. Like I, I kind of like it's weird saying contradicting myself and saying that like look I you watch Breaking Bad and I've said like yeah what they do with Jesse is fine, but like I've also always said like you know I'm glad they've got this because this makes it even better, and I'm kind of glad they do this with Skinny Pete and Badger because I mean their final scene was just with Walt in the car, yeah. and like you never kind of got a final like the final scene with them with Jesse was the whole Star Trek thing right, so like this is kind of just nice and. Going back to your point about how this was a show that didn't really need this, but we've seen so many things in the last five or so years, ten years, where they've had reboots and let's bring a show back and that sort of stuff, and I can't think of one that was ever necessary. Like, I was a fan of the Will and Grace reboot at the beginning, but then it just turned too preachy and it just I just didn't like what they did with it by the end of it. Whereas this, this is maybe the one exception to that rule where I've kind of always said that, yeah, none of them have ever been warranted this is kind of warranted and it kind of works and it doesn't take away from anything. It adds to it, but it's at the same time, you don't need it. Like you could watch all the breaking bad and be like, Oh, I don't agree with them making El Camino. I don't need to watch that. And yeah, you, you maybe don't. It's like rogue one. You don't need to watch rogue one to enjoy a new hope, but it adds to it. It definitely does. And when you watch rogue one back to back with a new hope, it makes it amazing, even more amazing than it already is. Maybe just the last half hour of uh, rogue one. Um, But yeah, I, I think that, and that's what I think this done well. And, and props to Vince Gilligan because I think that we talked a little bit about how, you know, he could have easily created this universe of Breaking Bad. And I guess he's done that with Better Call Soul, But there's just something smart about this man in which he hasn't 
destroyed it. Like, I mean, he was part of the X-Files and I love the X-Files, but every time they brought the X-Files back, be it in a movie or a TV show, some of it's fine, but the rest is just kind of like, well, what was the point of this? Like, it's kind of like this doesn't add anything to it, whereas this does it and, like, Better Call Saul and this add to it enough that it doesn't destroy anything and you can get so much more out of it. But at the same time, you could be a Breaking Bad purist and just stick to Breaking Bad and never watch these and still get the same out of it. So, yeah, Vince Gilligan is just a genius that he's been able to do this without even remotely destroying it. Because I don't think any fan hates El Camino or Better Call Saul. They're, they're completely yeah, fine yeah. with it. And they and Breaking yeah. Bad could have easily done that. Yeah, and I really I, I do like, you know, because we talked about on the, the finale in the last couple of episodes and maybe even all of season five being quite Walt heavy and, you know, we don't get as much of Jesse because we've got to we've got to finish the Walt story. And so I like that they've taken the time to now go back and tell a bit more of the Jesse story. So, so yeah, so just one thing before we move on from, from Skinny Pete is that I love how Jesse calls him Skinny. Like that's yeah. his first name. So maybe his actual official name is actually Skinny Pete. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe as a baby he was so skinny that that's what their parents yeah, that's like. Right, uh, yeah, Mr. Called and Mrs. Him, Pete decided to Mrs. call him Pete. skinny. Yeah, one thing um, that I'll add to because we're going to get to his parents soon, but um, I, I, you'll remember the episode name. But in season two, uh, was it season two or season one? Oh God, I, I'm going blank. Where we got the episode with his parents, and I know you weren't a big fan of it, and I, I kind of liked it because I like sort of getting some backstory to Jesse. But I think this is why I really appreciate this as well because again, I'm a big Jesse fan, so I love these little moments where you just get throwaway things that kind of add to him, like literally the scene with Walt, the scene with Mike, like. In the grand scheme of things, they're not needed, but they're just like it just adds to this sort of character, Jesse. And like the throwbacks we get, like when he's got the bug with him later on in his hand, and just things like that. Just I just love it. I love you've talked a lot about, um, you know, building up to things and kind of adding to the plot and the slow build. Like, that's one thing I've always been a fan with the Jesse character that you know, he's not flashbang like Walt all the time and kind of he's a bit of a loose sometimes, but like you just this is where I connect with Jesse so much because you get these moments like. I'm, I'm preempting this now, and we'll talk about it right at the very end, but, like, I, I, I cried when I watched the Jane scene at the end. I think I did it when I first watched it. and just like, it's, just, it's such a little scene, and it's kind of like, why should I be emotional over this tiny little Jane scene? But, like, it's just, I don't know. I just I just love, I've always loved Jesse, and we'll talk about that more next week when we get to our sort of uh, Walt versus Jesse uh, ending thing. But, uh, yeah, anyway, I don't know if you had anything to add on that. I'm rambling. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think it's it's really sweet, and um, yeah, we'll get to that, that end scene when we get there for sure. How about the cop reaction here, though, from fucking when Jesse pulls over to the side of the road and the Albuquerque PD have sent in, like, the National Guard yeah. to go and arrest Jesse, <laughs> yeah. which, like, I get Walt had this national manhunt, but, like, was Jesse ever a person of interest until they discovered that he was... And how do they know he was held hostage here? How? Yeah, it's a good question. Because everyone's dead. Like, and yeah. no one knows where he is. So, yeah. and they're quick to find out that he's the person of interest. So maybe again, they've seen the tape or maybe, yeah. yeah CCTV footage maybe at, the, at the, the compound. That's, yeah. a, that's a good point. Um, so we get our first sort of uh, flashback moment here. And this is, it's very interesting where I guess the majority of the, the, the plot of this movie is Jesse essentially trying to find the disappearer to go to Alaska to get out and start afresh, right? So that's, that's the plot of this movie. Um, and he's got to try and find some money to do it. So it's, it's a very simple plot. It's that simple. Uh, but what they kind of intersect it with is, I guess, kind of this torture that Jesse was getting. And so you, a large portion of this movie comes from his day out with Todd. Uh, kind of, you know, it's like Ferris Bueller's day off. It's Jesse Pinkman's day off as well. Uh, so sadly, there's no red Ferrari. He's not listening to, ooh, yeah, chicka chicka. Like it's, it's not going that way. Um, but this is where we get our first taste of Fat Todd. 
Uh, so we find out that uh, Jack and the Nazis have gone off to do some boating for the weekend. So it's just uh, Todd and Jesse and this kind of weird relationship that these two have. Like it's it's just this weird Todd that he's kind of like, hey, I, I need your help. I want you to come help with me. And just FYI, you try to escape. We will kill Brock. Ha ha. Um, and then I just love him like grooming Jesse, like brushing his hair yeah, and yeah. licking his fingers to, you know, like, oh, I'll try and keep you clean better from now on. It's, it's weirdly cute. Like Todd's kind of treating him like his pet. And again, I shouldn't feel cute about Todd, but Jesse Plemons is amazing in this movie. I just want to add that. Like, if, and we'll talk about the awards and nominations they got at the end. And this, sadly, I don't think was eligible for Academy Award nominations with the way they released it. But I could make an argument that both Jesse Plemons and Aaron Paul should have got nominated for this if it was. Um, you know, maybe stretching it there, I don't know. But I just think they're really, really good in this. But essentially, um, Jesse's getting taken to this apartment complex where he's going to, first of all, put a canopy on the back of the El Camino. Todd doesn't uh, know how to do it himself. So, um Basically, we're in this weird place where there's, like, a built-in pool. And I kind of love uh, Todd here, like, jumping up and down on it. Like, oh, ah, look, no water. And uh, sort of important things we see here with Jesse being hidden on the back seat. He kind of sees the uh, the street names, which uh, obviously is going to play into um, him, essentially, in the non-flash forwards as to why he's going back to his place. Uh, because, spoiler alert, there's going to be money in here. So, um, our first flashback... And then sort of we go back into current times where we see Jesse going into this apartment complex. And uh, I should have mentioned when he grabbed the keys, he grabbed a key off the um, El Camino keychain, which is obviously this key to Todd's apartment. And we see Jesse going into uh, Todd's apartment. And at the meantime, he's uh, hiding from the most nosiest, annoying neighbor in the world. Um, we'll maybe um, point him out there, but I'll just cap that there before we get back to the next flashback with uh, with Todd. So, yeah, not a whole lot to really add there, but just kind of setting us up here for Jesse and Todd's big day out. Yeah, I think it's quite good how they... Um, obviously, they were aware of the kind of the fat Todd thing, and I think, you know, the first time we see him, it's kind of this... We see him through the bars of the cell that Jesse's in, and so it kind of just... You know, like they they establish the character and remind us who Todd is before we kind of get the full on effect of of um, Jesse Plemons looking bigger, which I think is quite a smart move. So you don't spend the first kind of you know twenty minutes of this movie going, "Who the hell is that guy?" Like you actually know it's Todd. You know, so I, I think that that's really good because um, I think he looks different enough that you could go, "Is this a different character?" So so yeah, I, I think that that's that's really good. Yeah, other than that, I think it's just yeah, kind of just um, I, I guess. Um, you know, setting the scene up more than anything else. Do you think that, and I, this might have sounded cheesy, but, like, it just reminds me of the Santa Claus. Do you think they could have, like, had a line from him where he was like, oh, yeah, I got bitten by my tarantula or I got stung by a bee, so I just <laughs> forgive me, I'm a bit swollen. Like, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, right, yeah. it, the swelling will go down in a couple of days. Like, I mean, like, at least explain it, but, I mean, again, yeah. I don't know if that's too cheesy. <laughs> my, be- my belly is massively swollen. Yeah, like I, I, I think the problem I think that I like not that I have with I don't want to sound mean to to Jesse Plemons, but like it's 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 just that his face is fatter. Yeah, like it's, absolutely. It's, it's, yep. It's yep. if he's if, if he's if he was just sort of still skinny in the face and his body was a bit bigger, I don't know if I'd really notice. But yep. like it's cause his face looks so much bigger. That's because yep. Jesse Plemons is kind of a skinny dude. So it's it's kind of noticeable. That's where it comes from. Like if if skinny yep. Pete was now chubby Pete. Um, yeah. you know, we're going to be questioning that, but, um, yeah, yeah totally. that's, yeah. yeah, his face just looks so much more bigger. Um, so it just, 
This is why I just love this Todd character because, again, he's just so odd and quirky and creepy and just weird because, like, we're in this apartment and he's just kind of like, oh, I like my apartment. Yeah, I'm going for, like, this uh, Easter egg vibe and, like, oh, maybe I should paint it. And Jesse keeps sort of questioning, like, oh, is this why you got me here to move this? Is this why you got me here to help paint? And I just love Todd's just kind of like, maybe, yeah, once we get through what we've got through the day. So then they just walk into this living room and then out of nowhere there's a dead body there. Uh, to which it's just like the cleaner, which I love kind of just like, what did she do? And Todd's just going, yeah, I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> so they um, they roll her up in a rug to which Todd realizes, oh, hang on a minute. I should probably remove the belt from around her neck, to which he just puts it back on. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and then they've got to wait for a creepy neighbor guy to go. And his old Todd just going like, want some soup? <laughs> some soup. Like, I think it's just like it's the nonchalantness of Todd. Like he is just like, you know, like he wants to be Jesse's friend. Like he, you know, that, that he wants to have this friendly relationship with him. But you know, he can never let um, Jesse forget also that yeah, he is he is a prisoner and a pet type of thing. So so yeah, I think it is just like how you know, like how sociopathic he is about this whole thing of like, yeah, you know, she just, she found out where my money is. So I had to kill her. You know, like it's just as if that's just the most normal thing in the world. It's like, she, she was just a fly that I had to spray with some fly spray to get rid of her. Cause it was annoying. You know, like it really is. Love- he's so logical. Like, and it's the same thing as the, the whole Drew Sharp thing. It's like, well, of yeah. course I had to kill him. Like, yeah. And I love, I love like how he kind of sells this, like the way he kind of, he builds up to it because Jesse's kind of like, oh, you know, is it because she wasn't honest, she was stealing your money? And he's like, no, she was as honest as the day was long. Like, uh, yeah. you know, kind of just the sweetest woman ever. But, yeah, you're right. It's just kind of just he just he's got something wrong with him. This guy's got like a he's on the spectrum or something like, you know, something's going on there because like it's just but it's just again, that's why Jesse Plemons just does this so well because he's just such an interesting character because he just passes it off like it's again, it's just like an everyday occurrence. Like, yeah, I had to kill her. Let's just go bury her. You know, like, it's it's fine. It's completely normal. Let's have some soup. Um, and then kind of we get sort of the important and hasn't lines. He got like, hasn't he got, like, six ten, tins of, like, chicken? Like, he's got three different types of chicken soup, like chicken, yeah. chicken noodle. Like, but, but the one he has is, like, the beef and bean Beans or something. Or something like, yeah. yeah. I haven't had soup in a long time, but I'm a, I'm a bit of a soup fan. A soup's underrated. More, more power to soup. Do you like soup? I think if you've got a good bread to go with it, soup's Ooh, great. I think otherwise yeah. it's it, it's a bit boring. Now here's a here's an interesting uh, question for you. Uh, for the cup of soup fans out there, when you get cup of soup, do you actually eat it in the cup or do you still put it in a bowl? Nah, definitely a cup. I, yeah, yeah. I'm not a cup soup. I just I just don't like soup in a cup. To me, a, a cup right. is a drink. It's not a meal. Right. So that's maybe where I'm weird. Although those cup cakes that you could make, like not like a cupcake, but those mug, mug cakes. Mug cake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're not what's bad. Your, what's your what's your go to soup? Um, flavor, if you. Oh, that's a good question. I'm a I'm a chicken noodle man. I right, do like okay. my chicken noodle. Uh, although a pumpkin, you can't go wrong with a good homemade pumpkin soup. Like that's pre- my nan makes a pretty mean homemade right. pumpkin soup with dollop of sour cream, nice sourdough bread right. with some butter. Yeah, mm, yeah. yeah. which Mine, is always. Mine's- I was going to say, mine's tomato, but you don't like tomatoes, right? So, oh, um, I actually, you know, seriously, I don't like tomato, but I do like tomato soup. I'm weird that way. Um, right. So I, I don't mind a good tomato soup. That's what I like um, pumpkin. Like, I, I don't really love pumpkin, but I do like pumpkin soup. It's it's interesting, like, talking about soup being underrated. Why is soup always a starter? Why isn't soup the main meal? Like, come on. More respect for soup. <laughs> Soup's a meal in itself. Why are we talking yeah, totally. about soup? Better than talking about toilets, I guess. Um, so, 
Anyway, they're eating their soup. Uh, and, yeah, so this whole sort of flashback sequence is, as you find out, uh, he's been hiding money in his world book encyclopedias. Did you ever have these as a kid? Like, I remember oh. having these and, like, I think you used to get them from the supermarket. Like, you get one a week or, of course, the famous door-to-door uh, encyclopedia sales people. Reminds me of that great episode of Friends. We've got to bring it up when Joey buys, like, whatever letter he buys from uh, Penn and Teller. Um, but, yeah, I always loved these uh, encyclopedias as a kid. I thought they were great. Um, I, I just remember them being at the school library. That's about all. Like, mm. yeah. And, just and that was the like, reference what, yeah. ones, weren't they? You know, yeah, like you can yeah, never take right. them home. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But um, so this is where Todd's been hiding his money. Um, but then he kind of says, like, oh, I need to find a new hiding spot. Like, I don't know where. I love Jesse's line. You know, they have these things called banks, you know. Um, <laughs> and kind of in the, the flash for, well, this is a flash. I feel like I'm doing lost all of a sudden. Uh, so Jesse's searching, uh, the books sort of in, in current times, realizing that the money's not there. So this is going to be the whole thing now where Jesse's going to be tearing this place apart for the money. Uh, I should also mention, uh, that we see the tarantula in, uh, yeah. Todd's room, kind of a important thing. Uh, so Jesse going through everything, looking through everything, ripping the place apart, um, some of my, like, some great classic Breaking Bad camera work here with POV shots. There's one, which we're not up to yet, but my favourite shot maybe of all of Breaking Bad. I fucking love this one shot that we're going to get at one point. But through all of this, at one point, Jesse looks through the window and he sees a TV with his parents on. Here we go. Here's the payoff. We've said it for years, that, that well, years, episodes, that we're going to see them back. And uh, I do love the fact that we get Jesse's parents back on. I think that's a nice little touch. They're being interviewed on TV. Jesse finds the TV in Todd's place and turns it on, and they're just basically like, oh, come on, son, you should turn yourself in. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just like that we get them back. Um we see back in the flashback that uh, the way to drop this body out is not carry it down the corridor because I guess uh, nosy neighbour is all um, there, but they literally throw her out the window. Um, <laughs> At least she's on a rug, so there's like some kind of like um, impact absorption. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm questioning that because I'm kind of like, well, surely there'd be a bit of blood splatter. I mean, just she's a bit rotten at that point. Like uh, I, I do like – I would say when you see the body, like kind of – you're with – Aaron Paul when you're kind of a bit shocked when he's like, oh, Jesus, like, you know, even though Jesse's literally killed people at this point, uh, he's still shocked by seeing a body. Uh, and then randomly, maybe one of my favourite scenes in this whole movie uh, is Todd driving uh, to the desert, singing along to Sharing the Night Together by Dr. Hook. Uh, why not? <laughs> it's just it's so random. But I just love him, just like seeing it word for word, truck going past, doing the old toot toot, come on, give me the thing. No, oh, poor Todd gets rejected. Uh, doing the whole hand thing with the wind underneath, it's kind of cool. He's in a good mood, Todd. He's loving life. Uh, meanwhile, we see Jesse in the back sort of just laying there and we're at this really beautiful location where they're burying um, this woman. So the first time in a while we're seeing a body not get, to, you know, disposed of in acid. So kind of a yeah. cool little touch. And um, this sort of scene basically is all about they're having a smoke and um, Jesse uh, is asked to go get another smoke from the glove box he sees a gun and we kind of just get this great scene. Aaron Paul, amazing here, just this look on his face. He's got a gun. He could end this right now. He could shoot Todd and, and leave. And then just even Jesse Plemons is great here, though, the way he kind of is just like, hey, like, you want to get some pizza? I was going to get some pizza on the way home. You know, we get some beer. Like, you've deserved it today. Like, what do you think? You should give me the gun. And he's like, what's the, what's your favorite pizza? Oh, pepperoni. Okay, it's all right. Give me the gun. And it's kind of like just really just ah oh, it's just such a, a an interesting thing because i mean Jesse think about the ramifications of if Jesse had done this 
you know, like completely different ending, you know, uh, with everything going on there. So just a great scene. Love Aaron Paul in this. Love uh, Jesse Plemons in this. And this location is amazing, like these rock yeah, formations. It's, cool. it's it's great. So, yeah, again, I'm I'm, pump, I'm pumping a lot of scenes all together here, but I think kind of they all work, obviously, in cahoots in, in discussing them. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I, I would say, you know, I think um, – Again, we've seen this kind of sociopathic behaviour by by Todd um, and Doctor Hook. I mean, I haven't heard that song in years, but it feels like it just fits perfectly into the scene. You know, um, good music choice. Um, but but yeah, it's um, that, that scene there is really interesting because I think it kind of just puts you back in that mindset. You know, that this is just you know like mere days after he's been told about Jane. You know, like so that whole thing about you know when Walt reveals that information to Jane and Jesse kind of just slumps. You know, like all the fights Andrew. gone out of him and. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry, this is about about Jane. So I'm thinking about the oh, Ozymandias. right. Okay, I thought yeah, I thought so you I, meant the whole. Okay, sorry. Yeah. yeah, so I'm thinking of the Aussie Mandius thing. So basically, like, why does Jesse not just do this? And and my thinking is that he's just like he's got no fight left in him anymore. You know, like there's just there's nothing in him that that kind of wants to follow through with this. And so yeah, he's just he's a beaten man at this point. Um, and so yeah, you can you can kind of just see it. You know, and and everything he does that he kind of wants to do it, but he just doesn't have it in him to do it anymore. So so yeah. I think it's really good. And I just like the, yeah, that sociopathic, like, uh, just like little touches, like, you know, um, that he, he, he doesn't let Jesse forget that, you know, he's the, he's the prisoner and he has to dig the hole while, while um, Todd's watching. And, you know, and they, you know, do you want to say anything at the, you know, the burial site, like this is a funeral or something, you know, it's just, yeah, just like, it, it works really, really well. I, I do really like it. And yeah, and I do like the parents being back, you know, it is a simple little cameo to kind of have them. And, and obviously there's another scene with them later on as well. Um, but yeah, I think, it, I think it definitely works in the context of, of um, this movie. I also like there's um I think it's when at the end of this scene when he drop he gives a gun back to Todd and you kind of see Todd walking towards him and like Jesse's just like cowering like oh what's my punishment he's like a whipped dog right like what's going yeah. on and Todd just hugs him uh, basically yeah. puts his arm yeah. around him and it's like okay um yeah and like I'm trying to see on Breaking Bad Wiki it doesn't say like where this location is I want to go to this place like these boulders formation like it's amazing yeah. I'm guessing this is in New Mexico oh um, it will be yeah totally. Yeah, so pretty epic. Sad that the uh, last scene, not in Alaska, but we'll get to that. Um, I should mention we get some also classic Breaking Bad shots of the speed-up cameras of, like, the city streets and the transitions yeah. from day to night and all that kind of stuff. But we get another sequence here of just Jesse just literally ripping the place apart, trying to find the money. And, yeah, my favourite shot, and I don't know, my, my favourite shot of all of Breaking Bad is literally this overhead shot of, like, yeah. a floor plan of the house. Like, that's epic. That looks so cool. Like, but I don't like know if that's... 12 Jessies kind of, like, you know, like yeah. two in every room. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. so cleverly done. Like, it's just... Um, I'd love to see a behind the scenes of how, like, I'm just it's just a, um, either a makeshift crane on top of a set or they've just literally pieced together a bunch of different set shots to make it look like this. Like, incredible. It's just so good. And you just see the extent of everything that is ripped up and... He's just he's, he's at a wit's end. He's laying next to the fridge. He's banging his head on the fridge, essentially. You know, like, what do I have to do? How am I going to find it? He hears something fall down in the fridge. He opens it up. Then he looks in the fridge door. And what happens? Money falls out. Todd's hidden his money in the door of the fridge. So uh, pretty clever there from uh, from Todd. And just as Jesse is about to uh, do this, we get a knock on the door. 
two men in police jackets. Uh, Neil and Casey are their names. They look like a Neil and a Casey. Just want to say that. They look very much like that. And I remember watching this for the first, even the second time I watched this, I couldn't remember. Like, are these guys cops? I don't think they're cops. But um, they do a good job. Like, this is definitely a first time watching it thing where you're like, oh, these are cops, when you realise ultimately, spoiler alert, they're not. Um, and they're coming in here and basically like split up. We'll search for it. The nosy neighbour, who, who is this guy? Like, Jesus Christ, I want to tell this guy to shut up. Um, he's annoying. He's, he's oh, I, I don't know. Is he the worst character in Breaking Bad? Uh, worse <laughs> than Ted? Um, like, I mean, I know he's meant to be annoying, but I, I'm buying the fact that he's super annoying. Um, and one of them here gets, uh, catches Jesse. Is this, this is, this has got to be the, um, uh, the, the Neil character, right? He looks like a Neil this redheaded guy. I think, guy the, I think the, 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 the ginger is Casey, isn't he? Because Casey's the one that looks like a cop. And then when he's revealed to not be a cop, it's like, nah, you look too much like a cop. You have to be a cop. Like he doesn't I, quite fit as the, you know, as the other character. See, I, I, I would assume that this guy is Neil because I think the guy, the redheaded moustache guy, looks more like a Neil to me. But um, anyway, okay, wrong one. But uh, so uh, Neil gets uh, – oh, Casey, I'm just going to call him Neil. He's Neil to me. Um, gets guns pulled on him. Uh, Jesse holds him hostage. And then sort of I'm guessing this is a bit of a code word or like, you know, when he's kind of like, hey, Lieutenant, come in here. So this is kind of where it's either a code word or he's like, wait, we're not really cops. Why is he calling me by my cop name? Um so this guy kind of looks like Val Kilmer. Like, because if you know what Val Kilmer looks like now, Val Kilmer has put on a bit of weight and is a bit chubbier in the face. So I, I, I generally thought this was Val Kilmer. Oh, they got Val Kilmer to come into. He's Batman. Uh, that would have been a cool little cameo. Um, but there's a bit of a, a standoff going on here. Jesse's got two guns and... Uh, I do love Neil here. He's acting really much like a cop, you know, and I love their kind of thing. It, it plays better. This bit plays better when you know they're not actually cops and it's kind of like, how many cops have we got down there? Oh, at least six. Six, my ass. We've got eight. And they're going to come up and arrest you and shit, uh, basically. Like, you can see them, how they're lying. These two actors do a really good job. They're good uh, Jesse, actors at acting. Like, they're good yeah. at, like, pretending to be cops. That's quite impressive. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we obviously get sort of this... Um, flashback where kind of you know jesse again like is this similar to him possibly could have shoot shot todd at this point things could have been different but he basically gives in gives himself up and then realizes they're not cops and they don't cuff him and they tie him up with like a lamp wire uh as you do and obviously um they recognize him as as um jesse as well uh and then nosy neighbors here so uh, one of them's got to go out. Uh, Casey's got to go out here with his notepad and is all like, oh, yeah, what's going on, sir? We're just uh, canvassing for fingerprints. And nosy neighbors just basically all like, hey, I just realized I've got a handwritten note by Todd. I always knew this would happen. Would you like to come in and look at it for handwriting analysis? Um, and then poor old Jesse's about to die again. We should have really kept account of how many times Jesse's <laughs> nearly going to die in all of Breaking Bad. But he's like, I know where the money is. Shows him the money in the fridge. Um, he's going to take his half and then he's about to die. Got the gun to his head and then Jesse's just badass. Jesse was just like, shoot me. What are you going to do? Like, you know, as soon as you shoot me, nosy neighbor's going to come in here. They're going to pounce on this place. You can't get away with that. Uh, so they come to a deal and he says, you can have your third of the money, um, not your half. Um, and uh, so Neil calls Casey here and is like, hey, found the money. Like, wrap it up. Give me some time to go down to the car. And as we get down to the car, we see uh, that Neil gets into a car which says Candy Welding uh, Company, to which Jesse obviously has a, a memory here. 
and we have a bit of a flashback of him. He kind of we know that he remembers something, and you got Neil here going like, "I wonder, was one to wonder when you remembered who I am?" And we're obviously going to get to that very, very shortly. So all connected to this uh, flashback, which I might just kind of cap it there before we get to uh, Ed uh, appearing as, again. Yeah, I think it's really good. I think the only thing I'd say is like Jesse should be smart enough like not to fall for this at this point. You know, I do think it's kind of like. And I guess it probably speaks to he's desperate, you know, like he's not really in his right mind is the only thing I can really think of here. Because, yeah, I think Jesse should be smart enough to kind of figure this out before he kind of gets duped by these two guys. But I guess he's just so afraid of being caught by the cops that, you know, like he's not thinking straight. But, um, yeah, I I think these two guys are actually really, really good, you know, like and obviously they're new characters. So when we talk about how do you kind of make the show of this movie um, a bit of a secret, it's by doing things like this like having these characters that we add in who we haven't actually seen before um but you know like we were able to kind of um you know like um you know retrospectively kind of work them into the the breaking bad timeline so i I do really like that um yeah i agree with you that that overhead shot is so cool it's kind of like an ant's nest or something eh? like it's just it's really really cool and i I mean it's one of the things about breaking bad that is so cool is that they just find unique ways to set up shots and so yeah it's really fun i like the reveal of where where he finds the money um and yeah i think this is this is great setup for the the end payoff that we're going to get with these two characters um that jesse's going to confront at the end of the the movie so yeah and one thing i'll say like what you're saying about jesse like i kind of like how you've got a couple of moments though in this movie where jesse's still jesse so like we're about to get that scene in a second when he kind of like is is calling out ed's bullshit about the cops and then kind of you still got this scene where he believes it like i just kind of like that you know no matter how much he's grown and i think this just speaks to most people no matter how much you grow and develop you still got parts of you that are never going to change and like that's what i believe jesse would be like you know, like he would he would be gullible at one point and then, you know, gullible the next, but then be completely wrong about it. Um, so, and that's, you know, outside the skinny Pete and Badger, maybe like one of the funniest moments of the movies. And it's not really a funny movie. So, um, yeah. But uh, I do kind of like, so Jesse's obviously ripped this page out of the phone book earlier and we've seen him do this because he's basically going around all vacuum cleaner sales points. Um, so at this point... Uh, he drives and he finds uh, the the correct place here, uh, the actual place of uh, Ed the Disappearer, best quality vacuum, Hubla Espanol. Um, so he goes inside here and we've got some woman getting moist over some new vacuum cleaner. Good for her. I'm sure she's proud that she's part of the Breaking Bad universe. So she's, <laughs> she's had a big walk-on role wearing a weird trench coat again. And I, I just always picture Albuquerque's been hot. So, like, whenever I see people wearing, like, jackets and trench coats, I'm like, how are you wearing that? But I guess, as we know, it snows there. So, uh, there you go. Um, and Jesse basically, once this woman leaves, locks the door, closes. I just, I love Ed. Just, like, I would appreciate if you didn't do that. I'm open for business. Like, he's just so, like, polite and to the point. And, uh, obviously, Jesse here. He's like, you know, I'm, I know you're the guy. I'm pretty sure the guy. Like, I'm 96% you're the guy. Like, you've got the minivan out there. And, like, I know I didn't show up, but, like, I, I know this. And this is how much it costs. And I, I need this vac part. And he's trying to sell it all, basically. And he dumps all this money on the table. Uh, eventually, Ed kind of gives up. And he's just basically like, you know, yes, you owe me, like, 100000 for the last time. Uh, so, on top of that, it will be this amount. And I love Jesse's like, yes! Like, I knew you were the guy. Um, and then, essentially... Jesse's short by the end. He pulls out all this money from his pockets and everywhere because he's trying to get to this, what is it, 200 and whatever thousand dollars. He ends up being $1,800 short. And Ed's basically like, 
uh, starts putting the money in the bag and he's like, nah, not going to help you. Like, you know, you can do this. This money will last you for a while. Travel by night. Um, do this, do that. And, you know, Jesse's essentially all just kind of like, hey, like, come on, man, $1,800. You know, I, I'm desperate. Ed kicks him out. Ed calls the cops. And this is where Jesse's like calling his bluff. And he's just kind of like, I don't believe you. You know, like, uh, what are you talking about? Like, you never hang up on 911. They'd call you straight back. Uh, they make you stay on the line. Like, uh, and as if you're going to do this up because I would just give you up on the spot, you know. So, like, you've got more to lose. And I just love how all of a sudden you just see this cop car pull up in the window. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what, does he, what does Ed say? Like, oh, talk about efficiency. Um, so, Jesse runs out. Um, it obviously sells to these two cops basically of like, Hey, like, yeah, I, some guy with a tattoo on his face, he ran this way. So, um, you know, you should get him. And then this is kind of setting up the last real, like, I guess, uh, third of the movie where Jesse's got to try and find $1,800, some more money. So he calls his parents up, um, and he's all like, Hey, I'm going to give myself up. You should meet me at that park that we used to have picnics. I do love TV shows and movies where they've got to leave it so open-ended. Like, if this was me, I'd literally ring my dad up and be like, hey, remember that point at Bell Reeve where we used to go fishing? Like, I'm not going to be like, remember that point where we went fishing as a kid? Because my dad would literally be like, well, which one? There's like three different points. Um, so, you know, keep it a bit open-ended. But he's obviously drawing his parents out of the house and you see, like, about, what, three cop cars follow them because they're clearly staking out this house to see if Jesse's going to show up. Jesse break well, doesn't really break in. He finds a key, gets into the house, goes into the safe, which I guess we're thinking he's going to get money. But is he, de- like, do you think he's deliberately doing this for guns? Like, or is he also looking for money? I think he probably, I mean, it's, it's shot to make it look like he's deliberately going for the guns. Um, but I think probably he would just be looking for money, like, is the 1800 cash line around that he can just get out of a safe. So yeah, I think that's probably, probably part of it is that he, yeah, the matter of the show, but it's filmed to make it look like he's deliberately going for the guns. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, obviously he's going to play in cause he's going to look straight into the phone book and look up uh, this candy welding company, which I might just kind of cap it there. Like again, cause I think kind of, I can put all that together in one point. I love having Ed back. Like I just, I love this guy. And it's so sad that he obviously died as we know the day this came out. Um, but I just kind of like this sort of setup with it and kind of Jesse just, you know, almost a bit of classic Jesse here, the way he's reacting. Uh, and I, I didn't really touch on the parents, but I love having the parents back. I think it kind of works. You know, it's kind of, it's random. You don't need them. Um, but yeah, I just kind of like that. Here they are back into it. And it kind of just adds to the character of Jesse. You kind of, you never got any, the last time we kind of saw this, Jesse played them and it was kind of like, yeah, bitch, screw you. But I also like this moment where Jesse kind of says like, you know, this might be the last time we speak or whatever, or just want to let you know that you did your best. It was all on me. So it was kind of like, oh, it was a redeeming moment between him and his parents. Yeah, and showed a bit of growth by that character. I think, you know, when when we first saw them in season one um, of Breaking Bad, like it was all their fault. And, you know, like they didn't, they didn't show him enough attention or they were quick to give up on him when he had bad times. So it's nice to see that growth. Um, I've just kind of looked up annual temperatures in, in Albuquerque and they're not that dissimilar to kind of New Zealand, Tasmania, I would say. So kind of oh. like summer months, it's kind of highs of 30 between like 30 and 34 degrees um, Celsius um, during the day and then kind of like um, 18 to 20 at night. Um, but there during kind of December, January, February, it drops down to minus minus three at night. Um, wow. So, yeah, so I, I guess it is like you kind of just think desert, it's hot, but I guess it's that whole thing of it's, you know, um, 
yeah, when the sun's out, it's pretty warm. But when the sun goes, as soon as the sun goes down, there's nothing to kind of trap the heat and keep it there for any longer. So it kind of gets cold real quick too. I so, guess it's, yeah. yeah, it's near Utah and Colorado. Which yeah, yeah, you know, They right. have, both have deserts in them and they get lots of yeah. snow. So, yeah. And, yeah, and as uh, we talked about in um, in Granite State, that there's obviously a snowy area in New Mexico. You know, there's obviously Albuquerque, but, you know, the New Mexico as it's the state has snowy areas. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. oh, sorry, oh, I was just sorry, say, yeah, yeah, just, yes, yeah, uh, nothing, nothing much, really. I think it's just, yeah, it is nice to see, um, you know, the Ed character back, and I think he made such an impression in that, you know, one episode that we saw him in, um, in Granite State, and you know, to see him back, I think a great actor, you know, does such a good job with, you know, with not given very much, he kind of just has to walk on as if he, you know, he kind of feels like a fully fledged character that's been around for forever so yeah I, I do really like that I like that this the whole thing of him saying oh you know you screwed me once so you can pay for two you know like I'm not gonna uh, and not a dollar less I think is because when you're talking like you know we're talking $250,000 here and you think he'd just be like what 1800 who cares I'll just mm. you know but he's not he's like nah you've got to have everything so I do really like that um, I like that um, Jesse knows how to get into his parents house that they haven't moved the key even though they've got the son who's um, you know like on the wrong side of the law they still keep the key in the same place which is pretty funny but yeah which, i think they're good scenes it kind of sets us up nicely for the end i was gonna say you i mean that's generally how it works so i think um that you know I've, I've never lived in a place where um that we've kept a key under a rock like i said oh, that's not true when i lived in uh brisbane who i live with they kind of did a thing like that but um yeah, it's kind of it's it's interesting that uh, yeah, I I would assume that they would just automatically keep it there still. So uh, for people like me who lose their keys all the time, it's or lose <laughs> things all the time. It's good to have a a, a key hidden because there's always a time you're going to need it. One thing I was just trying to find here, um, if this real location for the welding place exists, um, and I don't think it does. I found a blog here. Somebody's just got like they've obviously just gone around and taken photos of all the locations. One thing I wanted to mention actually in the opening like basically the opening of the movie you've got this kind of like almost like a montage of just locations around new mexico uh, around albuquerque i think it's the transition between day and night when you've got uh, jesse waking up at skinny pete's place is um they actually show some locations so you see the old lost po- the lost polis hermanos building the real life one now which yeah. is called twisties so you actually yeah. see that as twisties um and i think you even see the strip mall where better call soul was and it's now no longer better call soul it's so, like a sports bar or something, eh? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's kind of cool. It's just kind of like real little, I guess, moments where you kind of see. And there's there's a moment like I think when um Jesse's tearing up Todd's place, you see like a Vaminos Pests uh, uniform on the ground and just kind of a few little things, which yeah. I guess are like an Easter egg kind of things yeah, throwing back yeah. there, So which is kind of cool. Um, So I guess I'll lump this whole sort of uh, action scene going on basically at the, at the welding place. Um, so, uh, one thing I'll just quickly add as well, like for a lot of, I guess, setup scenes, I feel this goes by pretty quickly. I don't know if that's yeah. just me, but like, I, I, I never feel this drags on. Like you're kind of like, oh wow. Like I mean, at this point we've only got like half an hour left of the movie to go. So for a two hour movie, it's, um, it goes by pretty quickly. I always think this is like a 90 minute movie, but it's, it is two hours long. Um, so Jesse shows up to the welding, to candy welding. Um, he sort of looks around and. Luck should have it. He's there at a night where the gang's bringing some um, sex workers to have some fun because uh, why not? Uh, so they all rock up with this uh, big Humvee. You've got their, I guess, pimp, like $750 for the hour. Clearly, this 
group doesn't last that long because uh, he's pretty quick to uh, be woken up very soon when they all leave. But uh, uh, I should mention we sort of get the flashback in between all of this as well, which we see why Jesse knows uh, this Neil guy. So when he's um, tied up to this uh, movable thing when they're cooking, we get this flashback where in comes uh, Neil here to uh, fix it up. He's talking about fish plates and all these kind of things. We get uh, Kenny back. He's a, I've got Kenny comes back in this in El Camino. Why not? Don't get Uncle Jack, but we get Kenny. Um, and he's just kind of arguing about the fact that, oh, I think that Jesse's going to escape from this. And they kind of do this bet thing where he's like, no, I'll bet you 50 bucks and you've got to weld a fish plate in there or something like that and uh, if it works. So uh, they basically make poor old Jesse uh, run back and forth 100 times or so to um, to see if it will break and they're just making fun of him, so torturing him a little bit more. So this is where Jesse knows Neil from because Neil essentially is uh, making fun of this and laughing at him as he's kind of going back for almost like a circus monkey here or something like that. Um, so before Jesse goes in, he's kind of waiting outside for them to finish off their sex, I guess. We've got this great little throwback scene of him with the bug on his hand. It's kind of cool, nice throwback to uh, earlier episodes. As the uh, the ladies leave, um, we see them all doing some cocaine. And just I love how this scene's set up because, like, you think Jesse's going to walk in here with his guns and kind of shoot everybody, but he just basically just walks in and he's just like, Hey man, I just I just need $800. You know, you kind of you owe me like I think this is works there and Casey's losing his shit like what do you mean you gave him a third and I love kneeling control here basically like everyone just shut up and he basically says to Jesse like I tell you what, let's have a Mexican standoff. You know, you're 22 versus my 44. Um and basically they kind of have this standoff. The one thing I'll say why don't they search Jesse? Like, I mean, he's clearly got his hand in his pocket. Though. Like, when you watch this for the first time, I will say I didn't guess this was going to happen. But when you rewatch this and you know what's going to happen, you're kind of like, okay, it's so obvious he's just got his hand in his jacket the whole time. But, you know, nitpick for nitpicking's sake. And basically what happens here is this Mexican standoff happens. Uh, Jesse kills uh, Neil because he's got the uh, other gun in his pocket. Poor old um, Casey's trying to save himself. So they have Stormtrooper aiming uh, just shooting each other, and eventually um, both Casey and Neil are dead. The rest of uh, everyone is all like, whoa, whoa, man, don't shoot us, don't shoot us. There's, what, three other people. Jesse gets them to give them his license, and he's all like, I know where you live. I'll come and kill you if you go to the cops. Jesse, uh, meanwhile, I should have mentioned, found out where the extra money was. Uh, it's in a duffel bag in the um, in the top of the filing cabinet. And then we kind of get Jesse realizes that maybe I should blow this place up to kind of hide the evidence. And we get a get an explosion and cool people never look back to an explosion. Jesse drives. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I will say like, this is maybe the most unnecessary thing. on But does he really need to blow up this building? No, but it's cool. It's a movie. Sure. Vince Gilligan got like, oh, we've got a spare 50K laying around. Let's fuck at a fucking explosion in a movie because it's a movie. So, um, yeah. And he drives off. And I'll obviously cap it there because we've got a pretty prominent flashback to get to here. So yeah, yeah it's um it's weird because this is the climax of the movie, but it feels so kind of like um, understated, and that's not a bad yeah. thing, but it does just feel quite different. Um, and, and yeah, I, I love kind of like as the guys are leaving, it's like, dude, you're on fire! Like yeah. <laughs> he's got that gun in his pocket. It's really funny. But yeah, just just to that flashback, I think that's probably the the hardest scene to watch in this whole movie. You know, kind of like you know he's running from end to end, and they're like, no, nah, you're not running hard enough. And they like make him sprint to the point where he's yeah. going to get like lifted off the ground. And it's so hard to watch that. It just it's really really uncomfortable. So yeah, it's a it's a great scene, but difficult to watch. Um, and yeah, the showdown's good, and I. 
I think, you know, this show's always had kind of um, um, aspirations to be kind of a bit of a Western given where it's set and things like that. And so this is an absolute Western moment where mm. they're actually having a shootout and it feels like something out of a Clint Eastwood movie. Um, but yeah, it, it's good. It, it's kind of effective. It's kind of, you know, it's the most violent that you get. Like, I was kind of thinking like, oh, you know, Netflix movie, they're maybe not as beholden to AMC. They can maybe make this quite, you know, like gory, but they kind of don't really. Um, but apart from this here, kind of, you know, where Neil gets shot, you see quite a lot of that. And um, yeah, you talk about the Stormtrooper aiming. It's like, yeah, I, I kind of like it because it's realistic. If these two guys are kind of running around a room, desperately trying to shoot each other, they would miss a gazillion times before one of them actually lands a hit. Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting to say about the Netflix thing because, I mean, there's definitely a few more F-bombs in this than you would get in uh, Breaking Bad, right? Um, and I think I think you might see a boob if you're looking carefully enough when you look through the window and the girls are putting their clothes back on. Uh, so, you know, they, they don't... Go, and I, I like that, that they kind of do that because... Um, I know with Designated Survivor when it went to Netflix, it was a slightly jarring from going from like a like a network show to all of a sudden having Keeper Sutherland yeah. drop the f bomb every now and then. Like so, yeah. it's kind of like okay, I get what they're doing, but like at the same time, it's kind of does it fit the show? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just I just say with the explosion too. This is probably my point where I think probably this is a little bit more than was necessary and it's probably because of how understated that you know that kind of climax feels that it almost feels like oh we have to add something on because it's not quite um you know, explosive enough so let's have an actual explosion hmm. um so so oh, i've got no particular problem with it it's fine but yeah it, you absolutely didn't need it either then we get, I mean, the most, I guess, talked about thing of this movie. Uh, everyone was like, oh, if they do a Jesse movie, will Walt return? How can you bring Walt back? You know, he's dead. But we obviously get it through a flashback. So this is um, set on uh, four days out or whatever it is, right? So Yeah, uh, yep. correct. So, yeah, they've just we, been on the desert. So this is them getting back after they've Talking know, about that hotel. Yeah, yeah. And they've jerry-rigged that battery that because they, they obviously had let the battery go flat. So, yeah. And they've talked about getting the nice hotel and obviously this is just before they go to the airport. So I kind of love um, Jesse in the bath. Is he pouring ice on himself? Is <laughs> yeah, it I don't ice? know. It's a, weird, it's a bit of a weird scene, but yeah. Yeah, I love him kind of like in the hotel room, like obviously on the phone to Jane. Um, and I, I love the reveal of how they do this because it's kind of like just Jesse knocks on the door and then kind of got this weird like sort of pan shot where you kind of hear a door open and then all of a sudden, there's Walt, there he is. And I remember like Reservoir Dogs or something, eh? Like it's kind of yeah. just like this hallway walk, yeah. Yeah, and I remember watching this going like, yeah, okay, there he is. Um, and like, look, I feel one thing you got to say here. Like if you're going to nitpick the jarring nature of, excuse me, me burping apparently, fat um, Todd... <laughs> I think if you were to watch this, like, continuity-wise, Jesse definitely looks older and fuller in the face here and not as, like... Again, you can only do so much with makeup. I'm not complaining it's a bad thing, but, like, I feel if you're going to complain about one thing, you've got to, like, have a bit of a complaint here that if you watch this with four days out, it's going to look different. Like, Jesse's not going to look the same. So, you know, just saying, if you're going to nitpick poor old fat Jesse Plemons and you nitpick this as well, but I'm not because I'm apparently not that nitpicky. But I love, I love them going to this breakfast buffet... Um, and like fucking Jesse loves his fruit. Like he's going gaga for his fruit, plateful of fruit. I love his uh, line there where he's kind of like, yeah, bitch or whatever. Um, and kind of like, I, I like this scene because it does take you back to like almost the innocent days of Breaking Bad. Like 
you know, Jesse here going on about pineapple's got this in it and kind of like, well, it's just like, well, it's actually this and you're not even close. Um, just, you know, back to that kind of mentorship role. And I love Jesse when he's kind of like the guy comes with the water and he's like, leaves a picture and he's like, dude, we can't do that. And he pulls out like a 20 or something like that. And he's like, no, man, you can. And what does um, Walt say? Like, oh, you're basically Frank Sinatra or something like that. Like, it's just kind of cool. It's a nice little flash. And even when uh, Walt starts coughing, Jesse gets up and like banging him on his back. Like, you know, but, but then we just kind of get a nice little scene where Walt's just kind of like, you know, like, oh, like, you know, I envy you. Like, you're young. You still got your life ahead of you. You could go to college. And Jesse's like, oh, ha, ha, I'm not going to college. He's like, no, like, yeah, you could. Like, why couldn't you? Like, what would you do if you went to college? And he's kind of like, oh, sports medicine. And I love Walt's like, yes, sports medicine. But what about business? <laughs> I love how he's just like, you know, oh, um, you could practically teach that class. And Jesse's all like, yeah, like, you know, I could. Uh, and it's just a nice little line with Walt when he's just basically like, you know, you're lucky that you didn't have to wait your entire life to do something special. So, again, you could argue it's not needed. Again, with most of these flashbacks, it's not needed, but it's just it's just a nice little scene. It kind of, you know, points out there that Jesse's got his whole life ahead of him still. He's still young. Uh, and we're about to obviously end it with him at the moment with his whole life ahead of him, you know, and open-ended Jesse, and, like, again, I've always argued that I still think Jesse's got some fucked up trauma to deal with. Like, he's still pretty fucked up and dealt with some shit. And you could still easily do Breaking Bad 2, the whole story around Jesse dealing with this in, you know, later life. You don't need to, but you could. Um, But I just, I like the fact that they can bring Walt back and just not make it just cheap. And just, I don't know, like, add something completely that is not needed. It's just, it's kind of like the beginning of uh, Ozymandias. It's just kind of like a nice little scene. Let's remember what they were like. It's not necessarily needed, but let's have a nice little throwback. So, yeah, it's. I think they handle this very well. I Look, I'll be honest and say that if they didn't bring Walt back in a cameo, I would have been fine. Um, you know, I would have been like, what's well, a Jesse story? You don't need Walt. Walt's dead. It's kind of like with Better Call Saul. People are like, oh, are they going to bring Walt back in the last season? I firmly say no, don't bring Walt back. What do you? How do you bring Walt into Better Call Saul? It makes no sense. Jesse, I would argue, makes sense because... You could argue Jesse kind of knows Sol because when he introduces Sol to Walt, he's the one saying, like, this is the guy you need. So there is an argument to make that Jesse already knew Sol before Be- Breaking Bad. He had a dealing with him. It's like how you saw Hank in Better Call Sol. You're not going to get Walt in Better Call Sol. Whereas this, again, not necessarily needed, but I'm glad we got it. But I would have been fine if we didn't get this scene. Yeah, I think that that point there is that like it would be quite cool to see Saul kind of dealing with Jesse's first misdemeanor or whatever it is. Like it'd be quite cool to see that. But um, yeah, I, I I tend to agree. It it is really nice to see it. I think it works really well. And what I like is it actually complements that initial scene with Mike of like mm. them saying to this guy, "Hey, you've got potential." Like two different people saying the same thing in their own way. And that thing of like Walt acknowledging. Jesse's skills as somebody with marketing potential and things like that. So I think it's really good. I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's nice to have it. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's not overdone. I think, yeah, I, I, it, everything's kind of done pitch perfect in this in terms of the, the cameos and the callbacks and things like that. It doesn't, it, this isn't just like fan service, you know, it is yeah, actually exactly. feels like it kind of works here. And again, I'd, I'd say the same thing with the Jane scene, like that could have been oh. really bad if it didn't, if it wasn't appropriate, but it, it, it's absolutely on the money. So I really like it. It's nice to kind of see Walt back and, and, um, 
yeah, it's just an enjoyable little scene. And I, I like that you can kind of place where it is and, and that it's kind of time appropriate too, that Jesse is acting like he would at that point in the show, which I really appreciate. So, yeah, poor old Aaron Paul has to go through a few different kind of um, look yeah. changes here, doesn't he? But, um, but yeah, no, I, I do really like it. And also, yeah, I love um, even like Walt feels spot on, doesn't he? Like, you know, kind of this yeah. is that Walt version of Walt back then when it's like he's still, I guess, technically Walt, not Heisenberg. Yeah. So it kind of works. Um, sort of basically the, the movie's over at this point. Essentially, we've got um similar thing to when Walt got into New Hampshire. We've now got Jesse in Alaska. Um, I love Alaska. I've been to Alaska. Uh, such a great state. I'd love to go back and explore more of it. It's such a, an amazing place to visit. So highly recommend people, if you can go to Alaska, go to Alaska. Um. But I love Jesse kind of like, this is Alaska. Yes, this is Alaska. Um, and then I love this sort of test where Ed's just basically going on about like, what's your social security number? What's your father's maiden name? What's your birthday? Kind of all this sort of stuff. It's really clever. He's Mr. Driscoll. So uh, yep. I don't know if he looks like a Mr. Driscoll, but uh, that's who he is. And then Jesse's got a letter ready to give to him and uh, Ed obviously reads it and we sort of see a little bit. Oh, Edge kind of says, like, I'm going to Mexico City in a month. I'll deliver it then. Anything else you want me to uh, do? And Jesse's kind of like, no. And then we sort of see as Jesse drives off, uh, the letter here is addressed to Brock. So I, I like that they kind of literally address that. <laughs> um, so it kind of it, it works. One thing I just want to quickly add here before I get to the final scene, not sure how I feel about Jesse in a turtleneck knitted sweater. Yeah, it is a, it's an odd look, isn't it? Like, it is the one thing that feels, like, slightly out of place. I will um, say, though, maybe makes him look like more of a Mr. Driscoll. So, um, potentially. And it's, it probably ages him a little bit. You know, like, I, I wouldn't have wanted to see him in the kind of, you know, the crazy skull T-shirts and hoodies and, and beanies and things. I think it is the right look, maybe, to, to signal that, like, he's maturing and he's going to kind of move on. But, yeah, it's, I'm not sure it's uh, the best look in the world. Yeah, but then we get this oh, this last scene. Like, I mean, I I would say that, um, you know, you go into this going like, yeah, you probably expect there to be a Walt, you know, there'll be a, you know, you kind of think about those and you probably think there's going to be a Saul one, things like this. But um, I don't think I even thought about there being a Jane scene. Like, I just, I kind of didn't think about it. And I just think the way it ends is perfect. Like, you've got Jesse kind of just in his car, bit of a smile, kind of looks over to him and is kind of just remembering a moment with him and Jane driving um, and then... Uh, what does Jesse basically say to her? Like, oh, you know, um, you know, I like your your viewpoint or your philosophy of you know going where the universe takes you. And then Jane basically just is like, oh no, like I I um I don't agree with that. It's I think it's better to make decisions for yourself or whatever it is. And then kind of that pans up, and you get this great shot of him sort of just driving uh through the the road with this you know the scenery, everything amazing. And then boom, El Camino. Like I I tear up in this. I just think it's nice. Like it's just. I think in rewatching this, I definitely got even more of an appreciation for Jane. And like at the end of the day, this is his most meaningful relationship he has, and kind of you you do feel a bit heartbroken for him still, and he's just remembering her, and it's just it's just a nice little way of kind of closing it off. And um, I mean, yeah, I, I just love having Jane back. I just I, I don't know. I just, all of a sudden I'm just like, wow, Jane! Like I didn't think I'd get so excited for a random Jane appearance. Here she is, uh, Kristen yeah, Ritter. Yeah. You know, just great. But I, I think it's a perfect way to end it. And just even I love the credits, like the sort of this red stripe on the black, and the you know the way it does end on that way. So um, yeah, good way to end it. 
Yeah, totally agree. And I think it is nice to have, you know, like it all comes back to, you know, this is a, this is a lot of the movie is talking about Jesse and, and how he's defined through the relationships he's had with other people, you know, whether it's Mike or Walt or, um, you know, towards the end here with Todd and things like that. And it's nice to kind of bring it back to, you know, his most his most meaningful relationship um, in terms of a romantic relationship um, and a positive relationship I suppose was with Jane and so it's nice to kind of just bring it back to that kind of grounding that actually he can and kind of her telling him that he can go wherever he wants he can do whatever he wants um that you know he he will create his own future and his own happiness and it's up to him to do that and I think those words coming from anybody else I don't think would have been as effective so I think it's a really nice way to end it and um oh yeah I do like the transition shots as well of you know kind of him driving in Alaska and then just the kind of cut shot to him driving with Jane you know I think it, it's well done um yeah I, I really enjoyed seeing her and you know back here so so yeah I'm, I'm definitely a fan of of the ending of this um the it doesn't say where the Jane. I guess it's really impossible to pinpoint the Jane. Oh, flashback, I think. I think. It? I think. Based based on his clothing, I think it's the point where they were going to the whatever the exhibition was. Because oh, okay. um, I just remember that yellow hoodie. Um, so it's kind of around that stage. I, I, yeah, the the one the paintings that look like vaginas. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so I, I can't remember exactly the episode title. I could probably figure it out if you give me a couple of minutes. But but yeah, it's kind of around that stage. I think couple of things cool so just with the trivia before we sort of maybe just wrap it up um i mean like actually before i get to the trivia like obviously with the movie one we kind of talk about things like uh box office and things like that this was released in theaters in some parts and i was actually really disappointed they didn't release this in theaters i mean i was obviously in new zealand at the time and we weren't gonna get it in vicargal even if they released it in new zealand but um <laughs> it's um yeah like i i was kind of disappointed that they didn't so um at least where I was, because I would have gone and seen this. Like, if this was one of these ones where at the time they released it at the same time on Netflix and at the theatres, I would have gone and seen this. Because, I mean, it would be cool to kind of see a Breaking Bad thing in the cinemas. Um, did they release it in Hamilton or Auckland or anything? Oh, for you I, don't, I don't remember seeing it in movies anywhere anywhere here. But, yeah, it would be nice to say that you'd seen a Breaking Bad episode or movie or whatever on a big screen. I think that would have been really cool. And I think this would have looked really good on a big screen too. Yeah, exactly. A few other things that were kind of marketed with this. We mentioned the the trailer that obviously was kind of a just a, almost a deleted scene or just a spoiler. You and I talked about uh, recently the whole Huel kind of like, oh, is he still in the safe house? And I sent you that funny or die clip where it was basically like a sitcom with like, you know, Huel in the safe house or whatever it was. But they actually did, and I didn't realize this and uh, probably should find these clips, but the campaign saw the return of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul character Huel and Lavelle reprising the role throughout the uh, – with sorry, the actor is Lavelle Crawford. Um, throughout the countdown, Huel appeared in several short video interludes of him sitting patiently in a safe house, loafing around and watching the news. Upon the countdown's conclusion, a video showed Huel leaving the safe house. Um, so the character ultimately did not appear in El Camino. Um, so uh, many fans remarked the promotion answered a question long posed by fans of Huel's fate after Breaking Bad ended. So I think I mentioned that in the trivia that uh, Vince Gilligan confirmed that, but I didn't realise there actually is... Um, no, I yeah. didn't realise that either. So that's cool. Yeah. And apparently there is a snow globe, a Breaking Bad... See, I should have read this before we did this because this would have been good for us covering this. So there is a Breaking Bad short called Snow Globe, um, which stars Jesse Plemons as Todd and Laura Fraser providing the voice as Lydia Radart Quayle. Taking place at some point before the events of the film, the short features Todd assembling a custom snow globe, which includes his and Lydia's likeness as he tries to call her on a date. So that's obviously that snow globe that we see. Um, she's sitting on Casey. like a cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, he's quite, like, oh, it's really weird. 
freaky. So, okay, that's interesting. Um, some of the trivia, uh, actually, hang on, does this have, does it say how much it did make at the cinemas? I don't know if there is an actual box office because, it, again, it did get released uh, at least $40,000, it says here on, on Wikipedia. So, obviously, <laughs> it wasn't in, ma- I, I guess, so at the end of the day, like, who would Netflix go see the cinemas? Netflix would have just paid them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, I will say just, I mean, critically, 91% this has. So uh, that's pretty goddamn good on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the consensus reading, entertaining if not essential, El Camino adds a satisfying belated, belated coda to Breaking Bad, led by a career best performance by Aaron Paul. Um, Time magazine, Judy Berman, called it mesmerizing. Um, so, yeah, uh, Vince Gilligan's pr- uh, response uh, direction, sorry, got uh, high praise. Um, and then as a Breaking Bad continuation, uh, Alan Seppenwall of Rolling Stone said uh, that if the Breaking Bad conclusion had a flaw, it is that Jesse got left behind. By the end of El Camino, that's no longer the case. Uh, so, yeah, lots of things. And just with the awards, so um, I mentioned that, I think I mentioned in the review that we did that it wasn't eligible for Academy Award nominations because it wasn't released wide enough in cinemas or something right. along those lines. So a lot of people would question like, well, Netflix films get nominated for Academy Awards all the time. But I think there's a still a um, a criteria that you've got to be released in a certain amount of cinemas. So yeah. this is a movie, hence why it's called El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. So it would be eligible for Oscars, but it, it didn't in the end. The one that people were sort of surprised with was that this ultimately didn't even get nominated for Emmy. So it didn't um, even get nominated for um, limited series or movie Emmys because many people said that both Aaron Paul and Jesse Plemons should or that this should get nominated for um, that in general. But it didn't even get nominated. It got some uh, technical Emmy awards. But I'm just looking here. So the year that it would have been eligible, um, so I'm looking at directing, for example. So Vince Gilligan doesn't even get nominated for directing. A lot of... Watchmen, that was the year of Watchmen, uh, that right. Damon Lindelof and that did that. Um, for acting, uh, so if we look here, outstanding lead actor in a uh, limited series or movie, Mark Ruffalo won that year for I Know This Much Is True, never seen it. Also nominated that year, Jeremy Irons for Watchmen, Hugh Jackman for Bad Education, Paul Mescal for Normal People and Jeremy Pope for Hollywood. Uh, an outstanding lead, uh, we're supporting actor. So I'm guessing that would have been for Jesse Plemons. So uh, Yahao Abdul-Mateen II won that for Watchmen, also nominated that year. Yvan Adepo for Watchmen, Titus Burgess for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Lewis Gossett Jr. for Watchmen, Dylan McDermott uh, for Hollywood, and Jim Parsons. Okay. Sheldon got nominated for Hollywood, so a Ryan Murphy show. So, yeah, interesting that this didn't even get sort of like acting nominations, which you'd think it would. Breaking Bad kind of builds that in, doesn't it? It's interesting to me because it would have been nice to see, I think, um, to see Aaron Paul get a Best Actor nomination because we talked at the, in the, the Season 5 recap about that he never obviously got um, nominated for Best Actor because, you know, Brian Cranston was there. So it was always Best Supporting Actor, which is fine. But, you know, it would have been nice to see him get the, you know, the Best Actor one as such. But, um, yeah, I, I think it falls in that funny space, doesn't it, between TV and movie. Like, even just looking at IMDb, its IMDb rating is 7.3, which, you know, if you were to rank this as 
an episode would probably make it either last or mm. second to last behind Fly. You know, like it's right in that that character. But that feels that feels unfair to me. I think it's way better than a lot of different. Um, episodes of Breaking Bad um, but as a movie it's probably been rated as a movie so it, it, it just falls in a funny space I think it, you know you're not quite sure if it's a movie or, or a continuation of the TV show and that probably hurts it with how it's ranked how it's remembered um, things like awards which I want to say the bullshit of the Emmys that year is the fact that Zendaya won a fucking Emmy that year so if Zendaya's winning an Emmy then you know there's some bullshit going on there I'm, I'm sorry to say um but, yeah, it would have been interesting to see if they had to push this for, like, a, an Academy Award kind of thing. Because I, I did see, uh, um, I think, in the lead-up to this that people were sort of saying, like, oh, like, maybe they can make an exception. And then Aaron Paul's name actually got put on a few lists as potential for a Best Actor nomination. But, right. um, yeah, like, I don't know, like, if how it would have gone up against that way. But it is interesting you say that with the IMDb rating because... I, I mean, we're releasing this under our movie's arm, like, you know, in terms of what it is. But, I mean, again, we're also completing this in the TV section when it comes to lumping this with our Breaking Bad coverage. But, I mean, it's so different to on our 24 coverage when we get to 24 Redemption, which is a TV movie. So that was purely a TV movie. It's still a movie. Like, to me, like, that yeah. it gets released as a movie. And also, I think the filming style of this, like, it's almost got that cinematic camera work on it where, like, the, the feeling of it feels cinematic. So I think kind of that's the important thing. And again, literally, it's called Breaking Bad Movie, like El Camino. Like it's got the word movie in the title. So, uh, yeah, exactly. That's kind of the the difference there. Um, Anything else you want to add on trivia or anything else with this in terms? I should say uh, ratings. uh, Does this, didn't this break uh, Netflix records or something like that? Did I see that somewhere? Um, maybe uh, $2.65 million within a day of release, 6.5 million viewers during opening weekend. Um, so uh, the first week of its release, Netflix announced that over 25 million households had seen the films. Um, and yeah, okay, here's the film stuff. I skipped over this. 12 of the 125 theaters that screened the film reported a combined gross of $40,000. Uh, the rap calculated that El Camino received a proper if if El Camino received a proper wide theatrical release that uh, and if every reported viewer bought a ticket to see it that it likely could have topped the box office that weekend and eventually yeah, well, El mean, Camino think- did go on to AMC so they did show it uh, months later and it got seven hundred and seventy four thousand viewers. So I think it's interesting because I think if you know if this had been released theatrically, I definitely would have gone to see it at the movies. Um, yeah. You know, and I think most Breaking Bad fans would have. So yeah, I mean. That was obviously never the deal, but interesting that if they had done that, they probably would have made a shitload of money. So, yeah. And they did actually release it. I didn't think Netflix ever released anything on Blu-ray and DVD. I thought it was just kind of a thing that they just never did, but they did release this on DVD and Blu-ray in 2020, and it contains a commentary track from Vince Gilligan and Aaron Paul. It's got deleted and extended scenes, a gag reel, um, and a scene studies with Gilligan. It's also even got a documentary on there. So um, that would be interesting. Uh, I didn't know if you knew that existed, but um, I know you've got the box set, so you can add it to your yeah. collection there. Yeah. Kind of complement it all there. Uh, exactly. Which I guess, and again, unless you've got anything to add, we can get into our ratings, um, which, I mean, we're not going to rank this with episodes because I, I, I didn't go into this thinking like, where would I rank this among the episodes? But um I'm buying it. I mean, I, I bought it back in our review, so my it's not going to change when I did the review. I think that, again, like, it's it's weird how, you know, I feel when I watched this the first time, loved it. The second time, I was a little bit more down on it. But then this time around, being, you know, critical, taking notes, 
I went back to loving it again. I think that um, it, it, there's lots of, I guess you could say, drawn out scenes, but it, it, it goes by so quickly. There's not much of a plot to it. There's a use of a lot of flashbacks on it. I think the stuff they do with uh, the flashbacks with Todd is great. I think kind of if you, you know, I'm sure that Vince Gilligan's writing down that we need to maybe put a whole section of this film with flashbacks with him. Who are you going to get? I think it kind of works that you get him with um, Todd. So, yeah, I don't really have any complaints about this. Even the tiny little nitpicks of plot holes that I said, like, again, as we said through the last few episodes of Breaking Bad, you just kind of forget them and forgive them. They're, they're fine. So, yeah, I, I'm glad they did this. I love Jesse. I think it's a great way to kind of close off Jesse. As I've said, though, did we need it? Not necessarily. You can still watch Breaking Bad and not watch this and still be fine with Jesse, but I think this just adds something to it and it does a great thing for the Jesse character to kind of send him off and almost more of a, a just a, a solid ending compared to what we got at the end of Felina. Yeah, I'd agree. I think uh, I'm definitely buying it. It's, um, you know, and I did actually think about where I would put this if I was ranking it and it's probably like smack bang in the middle you know it's probably about 32 30 somewhere around there um and yeah so i, th- I think it's it, it's really good um it's definitely adds to your your thinking and your knowledge and i like that we get to close out properly on on the jesse character which we we obviously didn't quite get because the focus was so on walt and the finale of breaking bad so all in all i think it's a, a satisfying watch I, th- I think it's probably a little bit excessive in some places but i also like the way that they've integrated some of the the kind of um additional characters for these little cameos so yeah it's an enjoyable you you know if you're a breaking bad fan if you come this far you're not going to be disappointed by watching this one thing I find interesting just quickly um, before we look into next week, um, you know, always movies comes out, sequels. Um, both Aaron Paul and Vince Gilligan have said that this is like the conclusion to Jesse. There's no plans for that. But uh, neither Gilligan nor Paul have definitively ruled out the possibility of a sequel to El Camino, with Gilligan expressing a desire to create a new story outside of the Breaking Bad universe once he helped finish the final season of Better Call Saul, but indicated a slight chance of returning to Jesse's storyline if everyone still held interest. Um I mean, to me, if you were to get a sequel or a continuation after Better Call Saul, and maybe we'll probably talk more about this next week, but to me, I'm wanting to see Skylar, Skylar or Marie or, or like Holly or Walt Jr. That's what I want to see. I think we've, we've Walt's story's done, Jesse's story's done. Again, you could technically explore more of Jesse. You could see him living the life in Alaska, sure. But like to me, it's it's Skylar and Marie. They're the ones I want to see. Hey, that's rhymes. That's that's the name of the show, Skylar Marie. They're the ones I want to see coming soon to AMC. But um, again, we can maybe talk about this more in next week's episode. But uh, I'm not sure if you have anything that thoughts of a sequel or anything like this. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it needs a sequel, and and um, I'm always one that you know know when to call it quits. And one thing I like about Breaking Bad is I think it goes just long enough. Like it's not you get enough without there being too much, and, and there's not too many questions you're left. And you know, obviously we're going to get into you know like Better Call Saul goes off in a completely different direction but um but yeah I, I mean I I didn't think it was necessary to kind of have a sequel for this I think it's a nice standalone story ends Jesse's story I think we're done here and I and I hope we are done here yeah no I I would agree with that next week it's our last Breaking Bad episode it is our series recap which uh, it's the third time we've done this at least the time of recording this might be the fourth one I'm hoping by the time this gets released we're finished loss as well so in terms of uh, chronologically being released but uh, yeah looking forward to this Nick the second one you and I have done of course we did a Nip Tuck one and we'll just basically 
it's there's no real structure to it. We'll just kind of go over things here and there about uh, you know final thoughts and bits and pieces. And of course, the big reveal will be our top ten moments of Breaking Bad, where we've uh, put together, compiled our uh, list. And I'm I'm very interested to read it out for you because it's uh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. get to hear it. I get to hear it unspoiled in real time. So I'm looking. Yeah, forward to it. I didn't spoil it for Nick, uh, and uh, I I will say this now. I'll say it next week. I didn't cheat. So like I did my Nick sent me through his document. And I didn't look until after I'd done my top, like I ranked mine in order because I could have easily just looked at Nick's and go, well, I want this to be number one. So if I move this <laughs> and I move this, like this will happen. So I didn't. And, and let's be, let's say this right now. Some of that's reflected in how some of things end up because there is definitely some things that are not going to be where you think they're going to be. So right. I'll, well, that's I'll just, good. That's, that's fun. Which because I, I, I rank things probably differently to how you rank things. Like I yeah. definitely looked at them more of a, well, it's like, in terms of the iconic nature of this scene, that should be in the top 10. But I'm like, no, but I just love this scene so much more than that scene. So yeah. that's kind of how I... Anyway, so that's next week. But uh, this has been El Camino. If you've not seen it, it's on Netflix. Uh, watch it. Blu-ray, great. Uh, particularly if you watch Breaking Bad, probably get more out of it there. My name is Ben, and I totally graduated high school, dick. Uh, and my name's Nick, and you and your big four inches. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.